When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. We're a couple days removed from our first observation of spring drills. No pads, so we don't have uh, a ton of answers, nor um, it wasn't a full practice. We're going to have a bunch of full practice coming up, about 45 minutes. But we did get a, finally get a chance to see the offense, defense run around a little bit. Uh, I'll let you guys start as to what some of your first initial observations were. Well, I got hinted towards it. Uh prior to practice, but Jarrett Patterson at center was obviously would have been something had we not discussed that, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been like, oh, what, what's going on there? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, makes sense, though, with Ruland out, um, and not just because you know, Luke Jones has an injury. And with Zeke Carell young, Luke Jones young, they, they need somebody they can project as a starting center. And, you know, people, I think, are really going to miss the point here on Trevor Ruland. Trevor Ruland is looked upon as a backup guard, a backup guard, a backup center, the very much needed player. But Brian Kelly even said maybe not a guy with his physical limitations because of injury that can go at 70 snaps. I think that the Trevor Ruland comparison is Mark Harrell, uh, if you remember him from the 2016 season. And I totally understand why you would vacate all memories of the 2016 season. But he was a guy that was very valuable, not because he played a lot, but because he could play and gave the staff some assurances that he could play. And Trevor Ruland, is, when he was coming out of high school, was an undersized guy. Not every body is meant to be 320 pounds or 310 pounds or even 300 pounds. And Trevor Ruland, I think, is just sort of one of those builds. But, I mean, with Jarrett Patterson, I can tell you, like, the staff is absolutely they're, they're really high, high on him. On him. Uh, and they were when they got him. And I think that's only continued over the course of the last six, eight, nine months. Um, so is he going to be a step back from Sam Mustafer and Nick Martin in year one? Sure. But... As a potential four-year starter at center, I, I feel like the staff believes there is a ton to work with that kid. Yeah, I, I found it interesting that when Brian Kelly talked about him, it wasn't like, well, we'll wait to see what happens when Luke Jones gets over his ankle sprain or you know, we'll let Zeke Corral go through uh, the spring, although Corral's at 275. Kelly said he was at 265, or he's listed at 275. But you know, Patterson's a guy that they like from day one. I can clearly remember and see Jeff Quinn talking about Patterson during recruiting. He was ecstatic. It was a tremendous catch for Notre Dame at the stage of the recruiting process. He had been verbally committed to Arizona State, correct? Correct. And um, and, and they got him at the last minute. I liked his high school film, and they've liked everything about him. He's a 300-pounder, uh, and he is the starting center. I mean, that's basically what Brian Kelly said. They're not looking for... An alternative. They've liked him from the outset. So, at least from that standpoint, I mean, obviously he's a guy that hasn't, uh, I guess he's played three games, so he has gotten a couple snaps because of the new redshirt rule. But that's your guy moving forward. Everybody around him is uh, remains in the same place as they were last year, which is a good thing. He'll need help from the guards around him. But that's where they are moving forward at center. I think the offensive line overall 
like Eichenberg has to get a lot better from where he was last year. I don't think that the staff he looks should. at him as like, oh my God, we have a problem here. It's just like, this is a player who was a first-year starter who needs to be a lot better as a second-year starter. That's fine. Ainsey, I think, would it surprised me when a staff member told me that he actually graded out the highest of anybody on the offensive side of the ball last year. And I'm pretty sure that means of the guys coming the back. Offensive line. No, I mean the offense. offensive side yeah. of the ball. Um, I think that may be the guys coming back. Yeah. Um, so you, you're sense. eliminating yeah, yeah. like Dexter and Miles Boykin. Uh, but that, like the fact that he was their best offensive lineman um, was surprised me a little bit. Um, I, he would he would definitely fall under the group of guys that was a lot more banged up last year than. His whole September was, was, was ever let on. Yes. And apparently the, those injuries started to prop up in the summer um, where the calf mm-hmm. knee was really starting to bother him. And in some ways he sort of needed to shut that down to heal. And, you know, you push it, you push through in the off season training conditioning and the, it just, it just took a while. So he, he is probably due for a good run of, of health. And if that happens, I think overall they like Kramer is a guy that, you know, obviously we, Beat up pretty good last year on this podcast. Um, however, now when you when you talk to people around Notre Dame, they say Eichenberg, Hainsey, Kramer as like sort of right there together. And Kramer has made a big sort of jump. I don't know if it's as much like an attitude or a commitment or whatever, but they feel much more optimistic today about Tommy Kramer than I think they did when last season started or in the middle of last season. And I think that's a significant uh, change of perspective. Wide receivers, we saw Michael Young go out with the first group, not unexpected. I do like to bring this up for people when you're trying to figure out who are the guys that are going to make a leap. Think of the guys you thought might make a leap last year. Give them another year of college football, and those might be the guys that make that right. leap for you. <laughs> it's it, fun, yeah, it's funny how you like put all your eggs in one basket, and when that player doesn't succeed, you put them, it's like out of mind. Well, that's generally not how it works no. in athletics. They just need another year, and so I guess that makes sense. I, I don't... I, I don't know that Michael Young has the the size necessarily that you would like at the at the X position, but with uh, Kevin Austin working in there, you know, I, maybe you can have a tag team working at that position. Um, I did want to, you know, Hainsey. We had an opportunity to speak with Hainsey um, on Saturday, and his interview of the four went the longest. He was the one that that was the most talkative, and I, you know, I mean, I I don't want to read too much into an interview, but. The fact that he would get up there and handle himself and speak like a leader, and Brian Kelly had pointed that out on Friday, I think that's a good sign. I agree with you, Pete, that I think that those those three offensive linemen, I think Eichenberg's going to become a very good offensive left tackle. Uh, and Kramer, you know, physically, I've said this before, but I mean, I thought physically Kramer looked good the other day. If he can just translate that into a little bit more foot speed, I think he can be a pretty good right guard for Notre Dame. That was the first time I ever looked at Hainsey and didn't think of him as undersized for an offensive lineman. I agree. He doesn't, he doesn't have a real long torso per se, so he's not. He doesn't fit that tackle spot per mm-hmm. se. Certainly not left tackle. Of course, he doesn't play that. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's a big dude now, and uh, he's got to be a leader of that offensive line. With when you mentioned leadership, he might be one of the captains because you're getting a captain out of those eight SWAT team members. Almost assuredly, there could be a ninth guy that, that that pops up in in a veteran that pops up here in the spring. But so you're looking at Gilman and Elliott as candidates, the two defensive ends, and I think 
Aquara is probably more of a SWAT team leader than he would be to stand up because he doesn't really enjoy being with the media or talking. Tony so. style, like exactly a leader, so, yeah, but yeah. like doesn't need to be a captain. And then uh, I mean, Gilman and Book seem like obviously if Book takes it by the if Book responds the way they want him to, he will be named a captain as a senior quarterback that's going to start. Now I will say that that I'm sure if he doesn't respond exactly how they want him to, he will not be named a quarterback. Right. Does that make does captain? Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, they it don't does. want someone leading in that role where. And then you have the lineman, and I think of the of. Eichenberg and Hainsey. Hainsey seems like yeah. When, Notre Dame's got to have a, a they have to have a captain that's on the offensive yeah. line, right? I mean that's kind of a that's kind of a tradition. Now I've been impressed with Jalen Elliott. Just you see videos of him on the on the Notre Dame website. Just the way he's, uh, and I'm not sure, so sure that in previous years he would have been comfortable standing up in front of the group and and speaking. So we probably at this stage of the year maybe read too much into leadership. But it's important. I mean, it's clearly well, no, important. And you write yeah. at this stage of the year. I'm just saying. I think us trying to name the team's leaders sometimes. We, we, yes, we, we put that's what I mean. We, maybe we yes. don't know as much about that. As Leadership is always important. Yeah. Yes. You know, I think Jalen Elliott, and I didn't even include him in kind of. I, I mentioned how last year's supporting leaders are almost as important as the captains because Gilman was one of those type of guys. Coney, as you said, um, and obviously the captains were great with Tranquil and Bars and, and Musfer, but. Sometimes the supporting guys. I think Jalen Elliott might behind the scenes yeah, I think be a so little too. bit more of a pushing things along leader than we knew of. Because oh they, no, they, I, yeah, they talk about him in that in that manner. I yeah, I guess yeah. I I've felt that way for a, a couple of years. Just talking. So um, Todd this, Light spoke about him that yeah. way from the outset. So I did a story on like the the new helmets they're wearing a while ago, and talked to remember Ryan Grooms. Um, I think it ran was still at Irish Illustrated. This is um, a weird segue to Jalen yeah. Elliott. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Grooms talked about extensively how like the personality that Jalen Elliott yeah. had and like how cool he is yeah. in the locker room. And then Michael Birch, Northern Sports Information Director, has also mentioned like offhand over the last couple of years of just like, and this was before last year mm-hmm. started. It's like I don't know how good he's going to be, but like man, what a cool kid! Like he just sort of gets it and like and moving to moving in and out of different groups and like. Yeah, easy to talk to regardless of who you are. Um, he was he was just a guy that kept getting brought up a lot when he wasn't a when player. he wasn't like playing yeah. very well or playing very much. Um, so I, I think it's all he's like everything's coming together for him. Whether he's a captain or not, I think he has a really big influence on the team. I'm all for Jalen Elliott now because he debunked the myth. Terry Joseph put out that he uh, likes LeBron more than Jordan, so he just said, "No, I just try to defend good." You players. were, ha- you were that, happy. I was happy that he. You were uh, happy to hear he that. Were you? The, he has seen the light. Yes. Um, well, there's. I know there's a question about the running backs and quarterbacks in the in second segment too. So we'll we'll uh, we'll jump to the the defense. I did a I did a piece this morning on Kelly's comments about the defensive ends and defensive tackles, and he's absolutely right, man. They got more defensive ends, and they know what to deal with. The interesting thing that you pointed out, Tim, was that when he said, you know, we may have to redshirt a guy, and he wasn't talking about freshmen. He no. was talking about non-freshmen. Well, the only guy that's redshirtable, so to speak, is Jameer Jones. Right, well, other than the starting All-American candidate. Yeah, yes, you're not going to do that. So Jameer Jones, uh, it was about 240, 245 snaps last year. Some of it was pressed into action because of Kareem. Now, you're going to get people are going to get pressed into action again because someone goes down. But those three guys back up front with Dalen Hayes, that's the and, and Ade Ogundeji. Yeah, a, who's a player? A I mean, he's a flat player, player. That is just a two deep. That if when games are close, those guys are the ones in, and they're going to rotate. They'll put those. They'll put in the third guy. But now the third guy could be Justin Admiola. Now the third guy could be, or you know, you get you actually bump up Ogundeji's snaps. And Jameer Jones, if he will do it, can just play so much more next year when three guys leave. 
than he can this it year. It sounds it's like it's so hard to do. We're not just pulling that out of thin air. We are not pulling There's, that out of thin air. No, it's being referenced. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But the one thing to, to add to it is he could play four games. He's not like shelved for the year. This is the same oh, rule for point. the freshman. Yeah, that's and, a good point. And I know people will say, well, he can play Georgia, Michigan, Stanford, Bull. But really, what he can play is when Kareem turns his ankle. He can play 50 snaps the next game if he has right, to. Against and Bowling Green. And or, what, yeah. or if it has to be, against Georgia yeah. because he, he's there. Right. I mean, let me give you some snap counts of Jameer Jones by game. Michigan, 0. Ball State, 11. Vandy, 7. Stanford, 2. Pitt, 11. And USC, 6. So it's not like he was the guy they were really counting. I mean, he had Virginia 50 Tech. at Virginia Tech yeah, because Julian Aquara got kicked out of the game. But guys get... Things happen to people. That but, could be one of his four games. Exactly. That's why it's not a real, you have to sit out yeah. as a senior son. No, That's, it's good stuff. And it sounds like it sounds like this is something that Jameer Jones is considering. Or he probably wouldn't. Kelly probably wouldn't have brought it up. Right. right? That would be right. right. I'm, sure, I'm sure Brian Kelly didn't realize that when he said that, that it, that it could only be narrowed down to one person. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, O'Malley was sharp enough to, to, to catch that. Linebacker uh, is going to be linebacker roulette. Uh, this this spring, right? I mean, yeah, yeah it is. Uh, explain again. I know you wrote it in your practice report, but Drew White came out first at Mike linebacker, and just what you saw on Saturday. And, and John Jones came out third, and I think if we were at practice, their next practice, it could be the other way around. I, I think they are going to roll them out there and see how they handle it, see how they communicate as part of it, especially in the spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember 2014, they had no Mike linebackers, Joe Schmidt. Won the job as a former walk-on without even having to fight anybody off other than a freshman. Now, as it turns out, the position everybody was most afraid of was the team MVP that year. <laughs> Probably won't happen this year, and maybe that wasn't a great thing for, for the squad that he ended up being the best player on that team. But I just think this is, he is open to everything. He, Brian Kelly, which means Clark Lee is open to everything, too. And that's the one place where a practice report just where they walk out, I wouldn't worry about that. We'll see what they well, do. That's where, when we, what they yeah. do when we have opportunities to see full practices, yeah. we'll get a better idea about that. Yeah, I, I didn't read anything into anything from the linebackers on Saturday. Wouldn't you have guessed John Jones, a senior, would have gone out with the first thing to run out there? You know, Yeah, just, but yeah. I mean, it's like what Brian Kelly said the day before. Maybe someday it will be Bilal and Drew White, and so it was Bilal and Drew White. Like How, how surprising <laughs> was it that Brian that. Kelly was yeah. just like, told us what, exactly what's going to happen? Um you know, they got a lot of guys to shuffle through there. And I, I, it was interesting talking to people around Notre Dame in the last week. Because um, two coaches, or not coaches, but two staffers, both independently brought up Jack Land to me. Um, this is before Saturday. And how he's the hardest hitter of the linebackers and has some real sort of like odd sort of freaky ability in the weight room as well. Um, even though he does not look like a starting major college linebacker of a playoff contender, right? He now. doesn't look like a high school player. Last anymore. spring, Which he looked he like a high school yeah. player. Yeah. Um, I, th- I would say even when we talked to him in Dallas, no he doubt sort about of looked it. Like I, and, a high school and, and, plus player, and, right? And let's clarify, really through no fault of his own, because he was coming back Correct. from injury and he couldn't he couldn't make gains in the weight room. That place, that those two positions, the Mike and the Buck, are wide open. And I, there's just maybe sometimes I latch on to players, but I like Jordan Jen Markeith. I like. I like the athleticism. I like the person inside the body, too, from the few times yeah, that I've yeah. had a chance to speak with him. And I just think he's going to be heard from. Now, Bilal is a starter of Buck. You're not going to throw away that experience, at least not initially. But I just think that Jen Markeith works his way onto the field in 
some way, shape, or fashion. But the the problem is, you know, who can play Mike and who can play Buck? And that's why when you when you bring up Jack Lamb, I mean, can he play Mike? I wrote about I, it this morning. I, you know, probably see, we might see him there at the end of the spring as a option to see. But if they don't like the three guys they're rolling through, how they communicate, at Mike. Yeah, maybe. Now I know. You know. I'm not saying that they I don't know. like those three. It's you, you. It's that open. It is that. open. Yeah, we got a lot of ground to cover in, in segment two, but I want to finish up with this about positions, and then briefly get into the NFL Combine before we go to segment two. Um, Houston Griffith at boundary corner, Avery Davis at feet, field corner. Correct? Is that where he was Saturday? You had defense. Yeah, I had offense. They're going to move him. Around. But they're going to. They're yeah. Brian Kelly said they'd move him around. Um, you know, the Houston Griffith move makes complete sense. We talked about it on the podcast yeah. prior. Um, yeah. You know, it makes complete sense. Uh, it's a lot, in a lot of respects, in some respects, it's a lot easier for the nickel, um, you know, just because you... I think uh, everything is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, nickel, nickel's really, really hard. You've got to be able to cover a lot of ground to your left and your right. And, and cornerback, you've got the, you've got the side sideline to help you a little bit. So I think it makes sense. He's a, he's a strong, um, you know, I think over time is going to be a solid tackler. It makes sense. Avery Davis, in the little bit of drills that I saw, looked very natural at corner. I think they're two interesting moves. I think they're, as we look at them right now, I think they're both solid moves by the coaching staff. I mean, Houston Griffith, the question is, like, can he play it? Um, And I think there's some varying opinions on how capable he is there. There's a reason he lasted one week at corner last spring, and it wasn't because he was killing it. Um, Well, but they were looking for a nickel, too, though, right? I mean, he moved to safety. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, if maybe he's improved a lot. I don't know. I mean, physically, he looks like physically a million he looks dollars. Good. Um, right. You know, it's it's the it's twofold ability I mean, that I mean, I'm curious to see. I'm not saying he can, or I'm not saying he so can't. So what is it? So you're saying it. change of direction? Yeah, uh, ball ri- skills. Like, you know, he's, I mean, it's the guy, he's trying to replace Julian Love, for Christ's sake. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just like... <laughs> Well, what do you mean he only broke up twelve passes? Yeah, like, he's 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 gonna fall short of yeah, that. But uh, when I brought up Griffith to corner, what was it five weeks ago? We talked yeah. about this. It wasn't because I thought this guy is the perfect projection to corner. It was they have Jalen Elliott, Alohi Gilman, and a guy coming in that looks like he's going to be a really good safety yeah. in the corner. They have Troy Pride and a bunch of people that nobody mm-hmm. knows about. So that it's more like. It's a it move to a weakness and move away from a strength. It makes it just makes sense. It's, it's worth trying yeah. for sure. I, I'm I just don't look at it as a well. This is a switch that's going to like solve the no, entire secondary. No, you know? exa- like, no, exactly. No, exactly. But I but I think Tim and I talked about this the other day. I didn't I didn't think it was a good idea to move pride from field to boundary because now you're it's one of those weakening yourself at two spots kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not going to get the best out of Troy Pride. If you put him at the the corner position that he's that not best yeah. suited for, right? I think that makes sense. I think I the agree. thought process maybe initially when we got caught wind of that was Bracey might be our best option. He has to play field. Yes. But now they just maybe think to themselves, maybe Griffith is our best option. Let's yeah. move Pride back. Yeah. I we'll probably see a couple different <laughs> rotations there before all is said and done. Real quickly before we and we do have a question about the combine. Maybe we can talk about more in segment two then. But. Uh, Miles Boykin, holy smokes, uh, 43.5-inch vertical, a 4.47 and a 4.4240, a, a ridiculous 11-foot, 8-inch broad jump. Uh, I don't know how he caught the ball, but he has always caught the ball extremely well, and I think he did, actually. I didn't I didn't see any coverage of it, but I think that he did. 
Um, you know, so he helped himself tremendously. I'd spoken to Drew Tranquil a couple weeks ago. He wanted to run a 4.55. He ran a 4.57, which is good enough, especially when you do 31 reps of a 225-pound bench press. And he had the sixth fastest linebacker 20-yard shuttle, the seventh fastest three-cone among linebackers. He did it, man. Him and Boykin especially did it. If only there were a medium somewhere out there through podcast, print, or video where we could have had a hint that Miles Boykin might be able to run a 447. All right, O'Malley. <laughs> and here's the thing. O'Malley I has broken his arm, pat himself on the back. Like but, I thought he was a 447 dude, guy. I'm, I reported that Brian Kelly told me aside that he ran a 447. I got you. It's like, you're right. Mike <laughs> right, right. It's like, he literally said, I pulled him aside. I was like, what did you say Miles ran? He said 4.47. He looked on a chart. I reported it. <laughs> so. Well, it must have missed a lot of people. And just for the record, I've broken my arms many times, patting myself on the back. So that's a good, that's a great reporting on your part. Um, Dexter Williams' 40-yard dash time doesn't make a he's, whole lot of sense. He's just faster than that, whatever. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, that's that, that's a case where you, you just put the film on from last year, and it's like, okay, we know this guy has tremendous speed. That's, you know, Tranquil, when he was in San Diego, I talked to him about this. The reason he was in San Diego was to work on his 40 time and specifically that first 10 yards, and he accomplished that. Uh, I don't know if Dexter Williams probably felt like he didn't have to work on his start maybe, maybe on, in the 40, uh, but he did everything else well. I love Drew Tranquil. Do you think Drew Tranquil in those five years, four years they were together ever ran down Dexter Williams? <laughs> well, well, no. <laughs> no, one's a linebacker, one's a running well, back. But of their forty times, I know. But you don't. You're not. Down. You're not comparing those. You're comparing guys at your own position. But I hear what you're saying. Let's well, just say what. Like, do you think Miles Boykin's uh, short field quickness is as good as Golden Tate? Because the combine says they're exactly the same. Wow. I mean, that's like the Miles Boykin stuff. Where did good, he train? Like, do you know where he trained in the uh, last couple months? Oh God, he Mars? was no uh, Boykin. Yeah. No Boykin, Boykin was in Florida. I cannot remember the name of the facility, um, but it, it wasn't. Um, he wasn't with Dexter Williams, and he wasn't in Anaheim with uh, Mustafer. No, no. no. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, it's like a, you look at Boykin's numbers and hey, like how can you not like? Why aren't you more productive in college? The vertical leap. Um, I mean, don't. Well, he was productive. Sense, I mean, though. he was he more, was like. Those numbers, actually, I have no. one thought about this. One year ago this week, one year ago next week, I asked Chip Long about Miles Boykin. Remember, one year ago, he had only had the LSU game. Right. And although it was a 100-yard game, it was the catch, is why we thought Miles Boykin yeah. might be the right. best move. Chip Long said, last year, so in 2017, before he made that catch, he's like, Miles just wasn't strong enough to get off the line. He didn't have the technique to get off the line. He just wasn't what he is now. And I was mm-hmm. like, not strong enough to get off the line. Miles Boykin. Six four right. two twenty. So that may be why it is. I mean, because all the numbers that we're talking about don't have anything to do with strength. He had twelve bench press reps, and technique, which, which, which is technique. not which is not hor- which it's, not, that's not bad was, for a wide receiver. He was but, in the twenty ninth percentile for bench press among receivers. Long okay. arms probably has part yeah that that hurts. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. High eighties for everything else. I mean, Quentin Nelson's physique is one of the re- well, he's. Absurdly yeah. strong, but but the the shape is part of the why he's tr- absolutely tremendous in in the bench press. So uh, yeah, I mean, um, you know, uh, Tillery ran well. He ran a sub five flat. Uh, bars didn't test. It was mainly just measurements. Mac ran a four seven one. Tillery's another guy, that, which is a good number. When he ran it, he also this he looked like an athlete running it. 
you watch him run the mm-hmm. four nine, whatever it was, you're like, oh, he, that guy's moving. I mean, I know the time shows four nine one, and some guys could run faster, but he was a six six, three hundred something pound guy that fluidly ran forty yeah. yards, and it didn't look like it was because he trained to run those forty yards and then yeah. stop. It's like he could just walk out and do it. Yeah, I mean, I think Max was what you would expect. His broad jump and his vertical jump were really good for tight ends, and his three cone drill was really poor for tight ends. He's an explosive player, but like not in a change of direction kind of way. Well, not we in saw the way that. where you could shake a linebacker who's trying to tackle you. How many times did we see that? Every time. We saw it every time. <laughs> not a lot. Not every all time. Of the times. <laughs> yeah. All of the times we saw the, those numbers playing. Like Max testing looks looked like Mac the football player, whereas Boykin's testing to me did not look like Boykin yeah. the football player. But also Dexter's testing did not look like Dexter right. the football yeah. player in a different way. So it's. I mean, ultimately, if I was an NFL person and I saw Miles Boykin put up those numbers, I'd be like, I need to watch that tape again. That's what Greg Gabriel said. Yeah, because initially, go back if I was tape. an NFL person, Boykin would like barely be on my board. He'd be like a third-day pick at best. And now he'd be like, now you gotta okay, think is, about this second is a day, day two? Yeah, you like, got to think about second day a little bit. Yeah, more. partly because... But then also figure out, like, the, the my question initially is like, why wasn't he... And then, then you got to talk to Notre maybe Dame a little he, bit more. Maybe out, he's like, just developing now. It. Yeah. I mean, well, that's, everybody that's has a different... Yeah, saying, right. He, everybody has like, a, he wasn't that good. Right. Now he is. Right. <laughs> you just got to do more research. Yeah. Well, good for him and good for... I mean, most of the guys went there and did very well. So uh, that's a long segment one. We have a bunch of good questions in segment two. We'll be right back with Burning Up the Boards. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider burning up the boards. Our first question is from Wreckers 33 Hot. What is the long-term impact of Jarrett Patterson at center? Who are the future offensive tackles after Robert Hainsey? And Liam Eikenberg, do one or both of Luke Jones and Zeke Corral start getting reps at guard since all three players have four years of eligibility left? There's a lot of a lot of inquiries in there. I watched the defense on Saturday, so I have yet to see Jarrett Patterson snap the ball. I am not fully equipped to let you know what his four-year projection of he center did, is. He <laughs> did have a couple, a couple high snaps. But that as I Pete saw. said before this started, maybe he'll be good. Maybe he won't. Yeah. Maybe Zeke Carell will be good. Maybe he won't. Maybe Luke Jones will be good, and maybe he won't. Your point is yeah. we saw 45 minutes of non-padded practice. Hainsey and Eichenberg, we're going to be able to tell you a lot about how much we think they've improved. We'll be able to let you know if Patterson's yeah. pretty good uh, yeah. natural well, position. Well, um, I mean, and, 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 I, and I get the desire to, to know because up until the other day, none of us were thinking that Jared Patterson was anything other than a tackle. We weren't thinking he was a guard. We certainly weren't thinking he was a – Center. Um, How unlikely do you think it is, either one of you, that he plays two years of center and then goes to tackles? Well, let's, let's say the tackles. I never would have thought he would be in the position right. he's in right now, so that's certainly possible. Do you, both, do you find that impossible or not? No, impossible? I mean since he, since he proved that, I mean they liked him as a yeah, tackle, so certainly yeah. he could end up there. Who are you, Rutgers three three hot? <laughs> I, I Patterson could be a four year starter at center. I mean, I think Hainsey to me was a guy that could have bumped inside because he's sort of that cerebral and has is sort of built maybe more like a center yes. than a tackle. But if you put two years of uh, experience in Patterson at center, you're probably going to want to get year three and year four out of that too. That's true. You know, some of that depends on how 
you know, Quinn Carroll and Andrew Kristofek develop. Yeah, um, Carroll, they like. Uh, I think early impressions are they like him. Kristofek, I didn't. I didn't really see him in the mix in, in observing the offense the other day, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. You don't you don't do anything with Luke Jones and Zeke Correll for now because you need a backup and you don't know what you have in Rulin physically. So it's a little bit early to to to, to come to conclusions there. But Carroll and Kristoffic are the, are I mean those are two great prospects. They, there was a, I know there was a lot of talk about Carroll moving inside. And I know that I wrote in my film review he'd be a great guard. Well, he can be he can be a great tackle too. So I mean, th- those are just some of the possibilities for now. I think uh, to answer the last question because the Jones Corral getting reps at guards when Trevor Ruland is counted on to be healthy, he's the first guard in at both spots. And they also have Dirksen could play guard, and Dylan Gibbons has been in the program for three years to spot. I, you don't those guys should get reps at center. I like Dir- I, I, you yeah. know I've liked Dirksen since yes, high school, yeah. and I don't know if he's made any headway, but he's six five and a half, three ten. So I mean, he's a guy that could play tackle. They have him a guard right now. He's a number two guard uh, behind Tommy Kramer. But I, I liked what I saw him the other day. I thought he showed a little bit of quickness for his size, but again, it was in in non pads. But uh, you know, other options there. I don't. You know, I don't think Cole Mabry's going to be the number two offensive tackle. Uh, John Olmstead has a lot to prove. Dylan Gibbons has a lot to prove. I just mean Jones and Carell will just keep repping at center. They need to develop at center. There's no reason to get to a guard right now. Especially in the spring. Yeah. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Those guys need to stay there and learn a position and get good at something. And then, you know, Josh Lug was uh, Lug was actually working with the number one unit. But the longest we've ever gone without saying Josh Lug. I know. I know. I know. We mentioned just about everybody else, but Lug's in there too. So a little early to make a determination on backup tackles long term. Next question from at Wu Rick Flair. Best guess on three starting linebackers by November. I read this, so I would not have to be the first to answer. <laughs> Simon and Bilal. And then it's who is the mic? I'll say John Jones. Just because. The the question is November, okay? So you have yeah. to allow for. Uh, I'm sorry, I, mean, I was answering for October 12th. <laughs> I, just, like, I, I just think it will be Simon and Bilal, and I really have no clue. On that. I, How about that? I can't answer for March 4th, yeah. let alone October 12th or November. But um, I think Jordan Jim Markeith is going to somehow emerge. I don't know how that works because Bilal is the buck, and that's probably the position that Jim Markeith can play. But that's kind of my feeling about that. Um, boy, it sure. I don't. Again, I don't want to read too much in this, but it sure looks like they're trying not to for Jonathan Jones to have the position. But they could be in that rotation, like we talked about, and and it wasn't his day on Saturday. But um, Bilal is going to be in the starting lineup. I know that there are people that want him replaced because they didn't like what he did last year. But let me remind you once again that when. Guys start and play fairly effectively. You don't give up on him. You try to make him better from where he was at the end of the year. And I get it. I, I'm the first one to say there's a missed tackle on open space by Bilal, by Bilal. There's a poor change of direction by Bilal. And obviously that's a very important trait to have, a linebacker. But it's going to take a lot for him to be unseated because of his background and experience playing on Saturdays. Well, I think... Also, it would take a lot to unseat him because there's not anyone to unseat him. Well, Jen Marquise is who I'm but saying. Like, you you would prefer the guys who have never done anything. Well, he start, to he, the guy who's played a bunch. Like no, I agree. Jen Marquise played extensively against Northwestern and played pretty well. 
There, was, what, there was that one game. Can I put them both in? Right. No, I right. Just like, yeah, can I put them it. both in? Or a way they can all those I don't know. That's why. No, that's why. Simon, I go back Denver, to Keith and Bilal. I think ideally they would. Not well, but just who plays play Mike? For, I don't think they would that's have played the problem. only three linebackers this year, yeah. like last. Well, that's year. good. And they I tried don't... to ask that of Brian Kelly, and he didn't really fully bite. And maybe I didn't ask it the right way, which is certainly possible. But he might not know right now. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. But I mean, do, do do you want to try to establish a rotation at those positions and safety? You know, probably not corner like you did on the defensive line. Can you do that? Is that feasible at those positions? Is the defensive line different? I didn't really get an answer to that, so yeah. I don't re- I don't really know. But, yeah, I mean, I do think all things being equal, they would like to be able to play more guys. NCON 34, if one of the four perceived primary, primary defensive tackles, and that's Heinish, Lacey, Tagovailoa, Mosa, and uh, Jason Adamiola, goes down at some point before the end of next season, how can Indy fill that void? Are they really okay with what they have? Brian Kelly spoke the other day as if, you know, we're okay, we're okay there. Um, Nothing to see here. But I, none of it. Not, I mean, we don't. Not an NCON 34's world. No, no, I, no, I get yeah. that. And, and most people, because Jamie Franklin is injured, we don't know when he'll be back. And Hunter Spears is injured, and we don't know when he'll be back. And he should not be back early. Hunter Spears tore his ACL in. I just okay. want to. Also, I, I, he's I, a freshman. Defensive no, tackle, no doubt. But cannot but so's, do what he had to do to get ready. But so's Jacob Lacey, and 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 they're and Brian Kelly's very high on him without torn ACL. Yeah, Lacey has been training anything you can train since they asked him to start, and and Spears obviously has to be limited. Doing yeah, that. I just think I'm not questioning modern AC, ACL tears and linemen they can come back now in 11 month span. I'm saying he's a freshman that would have trouble. Getting into the lineup anyway, and then he had an ACL. And I know you're not real high on him anyway, people. I mean, how do you? I just think he's got. He's a, just a the jury's out. Yeah, like the cl- the most jury's out of the freshman. No, that's fair. You know, that's fair. Double two ACLs. Um, early enrollee is great, uh, but I, I don't look at him and see like when I saw Lacey run around, I was sort of impressed on Saturday. Um, and Spears can't run around. Right? Spears I mean, can't run around can't at run all. Around. But like even in a, even his tape, I saw like a big guy who overwhelmed people with size who played really high. Um, okay, you know that's just not a. I don't know. We'll see. That's okay. fair. But I mean, I mean, how how do you look? And I agree. You know, Kelly said he started by saying Heinish, Tagovailoa, Mosa, and Jason Adamola, Adamiola are those are good defensive tackles. He flat out stated. Now they're young, uh, especially MTA and, and Adamiola. But, I, I mean, I tend to agree. And I've been saying for months, I think, Jacob Lacey's going to be ready to contribute this year. If Tagovailoa Mosa was ready to contribute, if Jason Adamiola was ready to contribute as a freshman, I don't see any reason why Jacob Lacey can't. There's really two questions here, though. If one of them goes down, how do they fill them? Well, that's, that, that is the problem because now, yes. you, now you have a bit of an issue. I do want to say this, and I don't know if Brian Kelly said this indirectly Saturday or not, but I thought... I thought indirectly he was indicating that Howard Cross is going to end up is he going did. to start inside. He, he said, "Fresh, we have freshmen coming right up inside." Okay, he means oh, for practice. I didn't even think. I didn't yeah, I, I, you have I, to. I forgot that the other guys were. Already here. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. going to remain the, the guy that's the highest on Howard Cross until he proves otherwise. And I, I really think that I think that he could be he could really be a an effective three technique if he has enough size to play that position. I put Howard Cross down in my. February write-up as starting inside, not because I think Howard Cross projects perfectly on the inside or are some defensive line film master, but because they don't have defensive linemen inside. And they have them all over the place yes. on the outside. It's like the Houston Griffith thing. Put them where you need help. That's where Howard Cross will go. They need right. help. It, it's just common sense. I also think that can be his best position. That'd be great. 
That would be great. Yeah. So, best of both. Which is good because they have a lot of ends in the future, too. No doubt. Oh, no doubt. This one from <laughs> at Big Mac 24 Speaking physically, have you seen anyone or any position group that surprised you, good and bad? Mm, not really out of the gate. I, I don't think. It's nothing. very hard. We, it, we have to explain. We're, we're in a balcony, and we're hoping that we can get centrally located for these open practices. But we're in a balcony looking from distance. I watched the offense at the other end of the field through binoculars. So it's, if we can get uh, some outdoor uh, practices too, uh, we'll be closer and you can kind of get the feel of yeah. how the physically imposing guys are or aren't. I think you notice that a lot from the new Labar practice complex. It's even a little bit closer to that first field. Yes. Um, it's very hard right now to tell yeah, you what. It really is. Good. Now, having said that, Brian Kelly talked about when I asked him what, what, what group has impressed you the most physically, he immediately went to the defensive line. That makes sense. I thought, I, and I wasn't, I wasn't stating, I think he kind of thought maybe I was stating or asking him to, um, you know, compliment the running backs per se. Uh, I was just talking about physically. I thought the running backs physically looked great. Jafar Armstrong looked great. Um, very impressed with Jameer Smith and the way he's changed his body. Kyron Williams is 209 pounds. He looks really, really good for us for a young five foot nine freshman. I was a little surprised to see about Flemster being as lean as he was, but that's not necessarily a bad, bad thing bad either. Thing either. Yeah. Uh, who am I forgetting? Um, well, they were Tony, pads, jo- so. Tony Jones Jr. Tony Jones Jr. is the biggest of the group. He's the close, closest to a fullback per se. He can catch the football. He, he Tony Jones is who he's going to be. Yeah. But I thought physically, for me, the running backs stood out. Maybe the corners, I guess. Okay. Um, just because Houston Griffiths is there now and Avery Davis is there now, it just looks different. You know, guys, I mean, Avery Davis does look like a, a pretty well put together corner where he was a tiny running back. Um, so that'll look a little bit. It's it's the safety it... position scared the crap out of me, though. Like, that was weird watching uh, DJ Brown as the fourth safety yeah. uh, and Pomala with the ones. I realized, like, Alohi is out, but just when you watch that, I was like, if they lost Alohi or Jalen. Um, Kyle Hamilton would start at safety. <laughs> it's um, there's just it's rare that you would see a major like Notre Dame have essentially three available safeties. Yeah, and I think we you know we there's this expectation as soon as you get back on the field that you expect to see a finished product. This is the spring, man. I mean, you do have ten early entry freshmen, but you have to understand from the moment spring practice opens that this is an incomplete football team. You don't have Litchfield Azervon is a guy that that'll be back there that mm-hmm. will. Help Kyle Hamilton will give that entire group a different look back there. And I think there's this is twofold. Just because we knew Devin Studstill was going out the door, or 99% sure, he was a senior former starter that would make it look a little better than a converted corner running in there that's, for one. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know that that's you wouldn't think. Well, they have a former starter as their backup safety. That's yeah. disconcerting for that day and that day only. Right. They, were, they were down two safety or down really down three, three. safeties because you move Houston as well. Um, you're just like, wait a minute, you guys. You gotta have a little bit more here. Yeah, you know if uh, to, and also when you say Paul Moala, let's say it was Derek Allen, which I mean it could or could not be an indication. You would mm-hmm. think, oh, well, good. There's a highly rated guy going up to say. So it's some truth to that. It's, it's a lot of the first day of spring going on. Golden Domer seventy three, with Houston Griffith being moved to corner. Do you see him beating out Tariq Bracy to start opposite Troy Pride against Louisville? Well, don't we? I, I guess in this dynamic, I think Troy Pride will beat out Tariq Bracy, not Houston Griffith. Yeah, Bracy is a field corner. Um, 
you know, and Griffith is a, is a boundary corner. You don't. They would have to move Pride back in his in his right probably. Um, so that our our answer to the question is, as of right now, I'd have to say yes. I think that Sean Crawford will start against Louisville. Oh yeah, there's Sean Crawford. There's Sean. Crawford. Not saying he make it through a whole year, but I think Sean. And Crawford I know people are down on the injuries, but if he's healthy, he's going to play. I mean, I think, and he will be healthy again. I mean, I think your ideal starting secondary at Louisville is Elliot, Elliot, and Gilman in the back, and then Griffith and Pride as your corners, and Crawford as your nickel, nickel. right? Because you don't want Hamilton to necessarily yeah, be Ham- in that role Ham- yet. Hamilton getting some work yeah. yeah. similar to Houston Griffith last year. We should keep only, anointing Hamilton only because playing, we uh, just didn't talk enough about Houston Griffith and uh, Derek Allen last year at yeah, this time. Yeah. So now we'll just put Hamilton in every lineup. Uh, I would say similarly playing more effectively than Griffith did. Hamilton would yes. play more effectively yes. than Griffith did. Uh, at B-Man underscore 2017, any chance the defense adds a three-man front to cover their lack of defensive tackles? Per Brian Kelly, they like their top four, but that's not nearly enough for an entire season, in my opinion, getting back to what we were talking about shortly. I don't. I don't think any of that will change. I mean, they, when they get into passing situations, it's three DNs, and they have like eighty-seven DNs. Yeah, Kareem bumps inside. I don't know. I am curious to see, like, who's the D tackle? Is it is it MTA? Is it is it Jason Adamiola? I'm not really sure who the if it's third and ten. Is plays, it Ade? Who plays Tillery's role is in it? passing situations when it's a when it's sort of a. One D tackle, three DM. Load. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I do think I did want to mention this. I think at the probably at the top of my position battles is MTA against Adamiola. I mean, Adamiola, Adamiola wants that starting spot. Uh, MTA was given that quote, given that start, that number two spot. Um, you know, when he came back for the Cotton Bowl, but I think that's going to be a, a, and that's a good thing. That that's two guys really, really fighting and competing for the starting spot There's there. There's a lot more to worry about in the spring than you, you, all of your best players being on the field in that dime package, but boy, Jerry Tillery really made that special. Because, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, Aquara was the most impactful guy. Right. Kareem, when he was healthy, Dalen Hayes is really going to be good at it again, right. but Tillery is the one where he's like, he's a defensive tackle that ran like the defensive ends, yeah. so now you're looking at either undersized end like Ade going in the package. Or a non-pass rusher. Or a non-pass rusher going in the package. And I, uh, speaking of looking good physically, I thought Dalen Hayes definitely looked bigger. Uh, I am high I mean, on from the, from the waist down. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I am high on Dalen yeah, Hayes. Yes. No. I mean, he should, he, should have a, he should have an outstanding last year at, at Notre Dame. DOC Irish. Over the last several seasons under Brian Kelly, other than 2016, more than one QB has started a regular season game each year. While there is not a competition now, there is a decent chance for whatever reason Book doesn't start all 12. In your estimation, how far is Dracovic for being able to handle the role starting one or two games? Should we say it in unison? <laughs> pretty, pretty far. Pretty far, yeah. <laughs> pretty far. I agree with him, though, that it'll happen. I mean, Book, oh, absolutely. Book, Book last year, Book's a physical runner. He, he looks to pick up yards. Right. He's going to get hit. And it's like, I know everyone will. I, not everyone. There's a, there's a segment of readership and people on social media that would like there to be a full-on quarterback competition <laughs> between Book and Jerkovic. There's 0% of chance of happening. I These guys are on parallel tracks. Book's got his own stuff to deal with, and Jerkovic's got his own stuff to deal with, and they're different. It's different stuff. Um, and I also think that's okay, because Jerkovic has played mop-up duties and then was a scout team Well, it won't be okay it's, if he has to play against Georgia, but I, but, but I know what you're saying. Like, Phil, the first the first practice of Phil Jakovic's career really was Saturday. 
You know, that, right. his, the career, rest of the his career for us just started. That's a good yet. point. So, get, like, just give it a minute. I mean, I just, people need to realize w- w- the plane that Book is on and the plane that, that Jerkovic is on. I mean, Book understands how to check out of a play. He understands where his receivers are. He understands where they should be. He understands the progressions. He's more accurate than than Jerkovic. I they are on two different well, what you're saying, Pete, is that they're on two different learning curves right now. Right. The same way and and Book was uh maybe maybe Book was a little bit further ahead at that stage but of his we, career. But maybe not. He's he, I mean he struggled too. Remember how we were always told he struggled how much he struggled in practice. And we this is also the beginning of spring practice. Like Ian Book when he somewhat developed going into that 2017 season where you heard, oh, he probably comes I'm confident in what Ian Book could do. I don't think he was saying that at the beginning of spring practice when Ian Book was a redshirt freshman. No, no, by the end of it, he was like, hey, right. he had a really good spring game. Yeah. And, and it was brought up the other day. Somebody asked if, if there would be a package for Jakovic like there was for Book. And Kelly, I think, correctly answered, you know, only if he gives us something that, that Book doesn't have. Well, what Book gave you last year was the ability – to make accurate throws and make right decisions in the blue zone. There's no reason to believe that Jerkovic's better than Book at that aspect. Uh, what, 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 where would he be better? Uh, uh, <laughs> the deep ball? Like, it's like, all right, it's third and 10. We need to throw a 42 yard pass, bring in Jerkovic. Yeah, no. That makes no sense. Now, well, you need Book to improve yeah. at that, and he probably will. Uh, I mean, would Kelly he mentioned that? if Jerkovic is exceptionally. He was trying to throw out a reason. Right. If he's exceptionally physical, do we put him in the goal line? Right. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. that's what you want in your, in your you're taking out your uh, yeah. potential. Now you don't want you don't want to do that. Just, I, I think everybody should just you know Jakovic could be should be fine. Just give him time. He's not, he's not fine right now. He's I, not ready. I will say one thing. After Buck had a, a rough game against Clemson, I got on the media bus and someone said to me, "Is this opened up for Phil in the spring?" <laughs> and I literally said, I, "I didn't know who he was talking about." I, I, that's how far away I was. But I go, who, Phil? And I, it came to me finally. It took two seconds for me to know he meant the quarterback. Yes. So it's like, no, it, it's not. It was so it. easy. It was so, yeah. It was, <laughs> hey, Phil. It was, it was, it was so easy going 8 0 as a starter and leading Notre Dame to the playoffs. So you can just put another guy in there and he'll do the same thing. At Mr. Yips underscore four, should we be concerned with Phil Dracovic's throwing mechanics? No. I think. If you want to be concerned about his accuracy after spring practice and watching whether he, you know, maybe he's a little bit off, then sure. But I think Brian Kelly said it on Friday. I don't know who asked the question. Um, but, look, we're, we're not going to change somebody's mechanics here. By the time you get to Notre Dame, you are you are. Um, you can be a good college quarterback with different throwing motions. I understand that. You can't. I mean, that that's that's muscle memory, man. You can't. You, you've, yeah. got, you've got to you live with that. And Tom, Tom Reese has, has I've spoken about this with Tom Reese, and he, you know, subtle things, subtle things. I thought his throwing motion looked more compact the other day. I also thought it looked like he was pushing the ball sometimes, which happens when your throwing motion is overly compact. So you know, I I think he's kind of fight fighting natural his natural right right i mean what what you know what his muscle memory tells him instinctively and what he needs to do i think he's kind of caught between two but none of that the only thing that matters is are you throwing the football accurately yes because the job of brian kelly and tommy reese and chip long is to get him to be a really good college quarterback right they're not mm-hmm. preparing for the so Giants. accuracy is the only thing that matters and like pete said Saturday's practice was really his first, and we'll get opportunities to see him live 
and we'll have a better idea of his accuracy at that point. All off season, the thing I was most curious about Phil Jacobic is what does he look like full pads eleven on eleven? And we didn't see any of that on Saturday. No, we didn't run any of that. No. ND two victory. Bigger concern for the sophomore class, if either are true concerns at all. This is a millennial comparison. I swear to you, it's <laughs> wow. got to be. We, no, hey, my, my, Which we appreciate. Yeah. We do. We absolutely do. My son's a millennial. Yeah. I love him. <laughs> Braden Lindsay's hands or Noah Boykin <laughs> repping behind every other DB? Uh, <laughs> it's wow. almost as good as the headline to the basketball story yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? <laughs> Unwilling Irish. <laughs> Unwilling to defend slash rebound. Uh, then I think it said about somebody getting hit. Go, yeah. go Boykin, I guess. Because I, I think Lindsay's hands are fine. And... From what I can gather, Braden Lindsay had a really nice off season. Like he's, you know, yeah, cut, he cut, be, cutting out the track is fine. Like I think that's a people get a little too like, oh my god, you're committed to football. I love it. Like you love Notre Dame football as much as I love Notre Dame football. But <laughs> Rocket and Tim Brown must not have loved Notre Dame right. football, right? But Braden Lindsay, I think, had, just has gotten to the point where it's like, all right, I can't just roll in here and run my track times and like this is great. Like I need to. Get my butt in the squat rack and put on good yeah. weight and get tougher. And the fact that that's happened is a real positive. I interviewed him uh, two days before the Cotton Bowl. And not that you can discern everything you need in a six-minute interview, which is yeah. about how long they were. But I totally got that impression that it was like, okay, now I get it. Now I understand that I need to do this, this, and this. He is 14 pounds heavier. Uh, you know, when people say, when, you know, we had heard about hands that doesn't mean that he's dropping everything, but he may be fighting, yeah, making some catches too. Which you know, every catch in a game is harder than any catch in a practice, right? Yes, yeah. There's there's a lot more at stake. Any ground ball in a game is you know, um, I would be more concerned about Noah Boykin not. He's behind a former quarterback at corner. That's why yeah. I'd be more concerned about it. Yeah. And it's probably not a. I'm, I'm more concerned about it with Boykin because it's it's not a all skills can Noah Boykin play and cover something thing for me from from my point of view. I, I still think Noah Boykin is probably a really good. It's seven on seven out right here and cover you corner. It, it, it's everything else that goes into it. One topic. Right. One, one thing back to Braden Lindsay. The first time I saw Braden Lindsay run at Notre Dame was at Culver. They were in no pads. He looks so much different than other people running, his natural explosiveness after two steps. Then the second time I saw him run, he was wearing pads, and Troy Pride was, he was wearing Troy Pride. That's not a good thing. He just couldn't, he wasn't big enough to get rid of those guys. And now I really am interested in seeing him, especially in August, what he looks like in seven-on-sevens. Not not even 11-on-11. I mean, seven-on-seven can translate sometimes. He couldn't get open last year. He wasn't strong Can you imagine? I mean, think about it. You're you're a freshman. You came from Oregon. You're a sprinter. And you're going up against a veteran corner that's pressing you. Who's also as fast as you, almost. Right? And as also as, as knows, as and knows how to press and knows what to do with his hands and knows how to disarm you. I mean, it, it must be disarming for a young player. And that guy wasn't even Julian Love. Right. <laughs> Who's the other guy you get to go up against? Right. So, yeah, I'm... I'm Lindsay's progress is going to be fun this spring, and I hope to see Boykin with the with the twos. And I want I want to say I really... I liked the way Lawrence Keyes looked the other day. I mean, he is he is lightning quick. And lightning fast. Uh, it may allow them a little bit of flexibility with Chris Fink at the X. I, I don't I don't know that that's necessarily true, but it may allow you to move some people around a little bit and, and put keys in the slot. I thought he looked really, really explosive the other day. 
at Greg2126, Derek Allen was relatively unfit at 220 pounds last year. He is now 227. He's actually 220, by the way. But is that a transition from bad weight to good weight? That kind of positive change would warrant mention from Brian Kelly, yet it did not. Are you concerned? Do you have any perspective on this? Yeah. Um, he was 213 last August and is 220 now. It so is good to, weight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. That's at least, that, look, the coaches believe it's good weight. Like Terry Joseph privately has told people it's good weight. Um, they're very optimistic about Derek. They want to play four safeties this, this fall, not two, like they played last year. And he's looking to see who those four will be. You know, there's right now, Derek is automatically going to play because there are only basically three safeties who are available. Um, he's going to get a ton of reps this spring. He's going to get a ton of reps this spring. Uh, and either he's going to be ready for it or he's not. Um, but they feel like physically he's... He's ready to go, um, so we'll see. And the last we heard, Terry Joseph was asked, "What do you see in Derek Allen? Season of safety." I know people like to make everybody on the team a rover. Yeah, anyway, and, and let's yeah, it, yeah and is, let's remember he has four years of eligibility too. That's my point about Michael Young. When I said last year I liked Michael Young, so why don't I this year? I, last year I liked Derek Allen, so I'm going to keep liking Derek Allen yeah. until he shows me something not to like, other than being a freshman that doesn't play for a 12 and 0 team. Yeah, I don't know where those. I don't know where that two twenty seven number. No, I don't either. From. He is two twenty um, on this. Actually, someone told me, and I can't confirm this at all, but that he's not even two twenty. That he's less than that. I thought he looked yeah. good physically. Yeah. I was, I was, I was watching the offense, but I made sure that I checked him out a little bit, and I thought he looked quick. If he touches Chris Fink in the one on one drills, we'll know he is ready to play. You just have to breathe on him, and that means you. Who tackled him last year? Only Alohi Gilman in any one on one drill. I think I have it once. Remarkable. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. Um, I'm gonna. Oh, I lost it. So go ahead and go ask the one. next one. Yeah. At Irish Badger 12, the combine really showcased Notre Dame's strength and conditioning program. And I will interject at this part. Also, they're really good players. How secure is Matt Bayless? With how much time he spends with players, has Notre Dame ensured he doesn't pull a Mike Elko? <laughs> well, it's, I mean, he's already in his second year, right? <laughs> That's right. He's he's avoided it. Way he's way past Elko. <laughs> no, I mean, like Bayless is from Chicago originally, um, and I think it was interesting. I was talking to somebody in the strength staff over the weekend, and they they had like a strength and conditioning clinic. I think at the end of February, um, and I didn't realize that like that's sort of how Bayless got introduced to Notre Dame initially. Like he came to a strength and conditioning coach when or clinic when Mickey Marotti was the strength and conditioning coach. Um, so he's like the, he's like a Midwest guy. Is he going to be here forever? Probably not. But like, I don't see him like Mike Elko left to make more money and to try to be a head coach. Whereas what is Matt Bayless going to be a head coach somewhere? No, he's, a, he's already, he's already at the top of his. No, I, right? I would. Yeah. I would bring up Jerry Schmidt, who was a uh, uh, strength and conditioning coach at Notre Dame a long time ago. He went to Oklahoma mm. when Stoops retired uh, and then Texas A&M threw a whole bunch of money at him. I mean, a, you know, if somebody pulls an A&M, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't sure. think any of us yeah. know Matt Bayless well enough to say, oh, well, he wouldn't leave Notre Dame. But if I were a Notre Dame fan, I wouldn't sit around worrying about whether Matt Bayless is, is going to leave. Could it happen? Sure. But uh, I wouldn't worry about that right now. Uh, TDISU19, with D.J. Brown moving to safety, does that speak more about the staff's confidence in the potential 
of existing cornerbacks, or is that more of an indictment of Moala and Ellen? I think Devin Studd still was scheduled That's to be at practice it, yesterday. Well, and Houston Griffith, Saturday, and Houston yeah. Griffith and moved Houston, too. But he was not but, a. Right. That was not that Notre Dame didn't see this coming at some point this spring. But I, I believe he. I believe I don't want to speak on a term, but from the reactions that Stud still was maybe going to be at practice yesterday and wasn't. Yeah, Notre and look, Notre Dame can't run a four-three-three defense. That's not a scheme. You have to have two safeties back there. Um, so DJ Brown, it's we tried that with Van Gorder. Did you know that? Yeah, they, well, it's, yeah, when they benched Drew Tranquil at <laughs> yes. time of the Texas game. Um, when I think Brian Kelly mentioned this, and it was sort of refreshing to hear that when we say cross training, sometimes that means we don't know where this kid fits. That was a great response. Um, yeah, and I look, it's one hundred percent true. Like when you're moving guys around. Sometimes you don't know where they fit. Sometimes it means they don't fit anywhere. Like if you're like a Darnell Ewell situation, he was a defensive tackle and he was an offensive guard, and now he's a defensive tackle. We almost made it, Pete. That's not that's <laughs> not a great situation. Um, you know, if, if you're Avery Davis, you were a quarterback, then you were a running back, now you're a cornerback. Maybe that's a good situation long term. Term, but right now, I think I think everyone should sort of be like, yeah, let's wait and see how he plays at corner. It's just. You know, but CJ Prosize was a defensive back who turned into a wide receiver, who turned into a running back. He's the great, he's the best well, that's example why, of it working. That's why you know, I mean, when comparisons are made, well, they did that with this kid. Well, that kid is completely different than that kid. And so, what was it the other day? Somebody, you know, about Wimbush and he threw for a lot of yards. Jakovic did too. Yeah. But they're two completely different kids. They're two different, completely different style of quarterbacks. So just because it happened with another human being doesn't make that a, a valid comparison. I don't think it's a move to safety. He may have to take some more reps there this spring because they need a guy back there this spring to help out. Yeah, this has been uh, yeah, it's been a one. long segment. We're going to wrap up uh, with this one, jump back into the combine. And Andrew Wynn, where do you think Miles Boykin will get drafted? Don't have to say round, just say maybe the Notre Dame players because we don't know what rounds guys are going to go. We need Gabriel for that. Yeah, we're gonna we're, we will we will absolutely be following up with Greg Gabriel following the combine. I know he's got a lot of ideas there, and his are way better than ours. And but I to Remember get back day two is round two and three and three and yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, but I mean that's a yeah. It's yeah. A, day it's one is like round one. Yeah. Day two is two and three, and four, five, six, and seven are day three. And I think what Pete said a little bit earlier. You know, he went from a almost certain day three guy to maybe. Maybe a day two guy. I don't really know the off the top of my head what the competition of wide receiver is in the draft this year, but you know, you can't you can't completely buy in. This goes back to this prompts you to go back to the tape, not to just say you're going to pick Boykin. Let me run down the Notre Dame's players you guys just say if you think this is where they get drafted. Tillery will be the first Notre Dame player drafted. I yeah, I yes. feel strongly about that. Julian Love will be the second. Uh, less certain after today. So I would say Dexter Co- Williams. De- could, I would I actually think Coney will be the third guy off the board. I think it's yeah. Think no, it's I mean I you yeah. know I no I don't disagree. I think I think it's kind of right. I, oh, to I don't know right me, now. Me too. That's why I figured we're yeah. going to start. Not we're going to have to go back and forth and not know. But Tillery, we think, and then you're less certain about Love. I think Love's tape will be so good after Coney Williams. You think Tranquil after those two guys relative um, to nothing else. I, I think. I would say Boykin moved up. I would put Boykin above Tranquil, I think, even though, like, the, I don't know. I, um, I, yeah, I don't know. It's hard. Well, I, if you I would keep, keep in mind, Tranquil, Tranquil had a great senior yeah. bowl also. I mean, he had a great last two years at two different positions. 
He had a great senior bowl. He had a great combine. I mean, you want to talk about a guy on the rise, yeah. but Boykin obviously is too. Boykin he does had it. that cool video in the locker room. <laughs> he did. <laughs> the, the, yes. Very cool handwritten thank you note. Oh, he one upped himself. <laughs> our point is yeah. we really don't have a consensus on this because we're not. We don't no, we don't, we don't know. But but I will be talking to Greg Gabriel and we'll be following up on that and uh, following up on a lot of things. So again, oh, how about ahead. this? How many players get, let's say, Let's just like put Tillery. Tillery doesn't go in the first round. So, day two picks. How many day two picks does Notre Dame have? Which would mean second or third round picks. So, Tillery's second round, you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. There's Tillery's for sure a second yeah. rounder. Yeah. At worst. At least, at least three, right? Love, yeah. Coney, and Tillery. So, the over under is 3.5. You go over under. I, I'm. Coney go, does Coney go under? I under. Like, I think there'll be three. I don't know if there will be three. You don't know. You, so you don't think Coney will go on, on so, day two? He might. You don't, I, I you're, can see you're, Love going in the, in the fourth. Boy. I don't think he will because of his There's tape. so much Sheldon good day tape went on in him. the fourth round. Yeah, but yeah. Well, there's loves, a lot of great tape on him, Philly too. Loves. Yeah. I would be shocked if uh, nobody else. Um, I agree with you. It could just be Tillery and Love. I th- actually think Coney might, but I would be surprised if Love goes day three. I will not be surprised if Coney, Tranquil, Williams, and Boykin go day three. Is that fair to say? Say it that way? Yeah. And yeah, I'd be stunned fine. if Jerry Tillery I think the mo- I think the most likely breakdown would be day one, zero, day two, two, day three, everybody else. I think that's the most likely breakdown, too. Yeah. But I could see the third going into that. You know, it depends on... And again, none of us are experts in the entire draft and what is available at each position. I went to the combine for one day, Tim. Oh, I well, think I'm, t- all right. Well, I'm, well on Friday, on Friday, you can tell us about your combine experience. I say Friday because we will have we're having two podcasts this week, and and while while we're in spring drills, we will our plan is to have two uh, podcasts each week, Monday and Friday. That won't be the case next week because they're on spring break. I'll be in Charlotte for. That long run through the ACC tournament with the men's basketball team. Who are you covering? Uh, I'm 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 going for the Charlotte weather and the and ACC tournament. And, and you because, because I, yes, and I because I love basketball tournaments, whether it's conference or NCAA. I'll be going to one, but not the other this year. There won't be an NIT either. Um, but anyway, that's our plan. Two a week. That won't, we'll have one next week. It's. You're, it's going to be you two guys because I'm going to be in Charlotte. I don't know what day we'll have that. We'll come to your house and do it. But our next, yeah, yeah. But our next, that's where we are right now. Our next one will be Friday. We, we, we will not see practice between now and then, but we will have an opportunity to talk to the coordinators on Thursday. So that will be enlightening. I want to thank the Black Tux and Warby, Warby Parker uh, as our sponsors. And the person to give the greatest testimonial to Warby Parker is Pete Sampson. I think I'm on my fourth pair of Warby There you go. The last three, there three, you go. So we thank our sponsors. We thank you for joining us. And we'll be back on Friday for another Irish Illustrated Insider. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.